is Bloomberg Surveillance. We take the view that as the Fed raises rates, that removes U.S. dollar liquidity from the rest of the world. 60% of global GDP relies on U.S. dollar liquidity. The bottom 90% have basically seen their income stagnate over a third of a century. The Asian economies are the fastest growing ones in the world. China's growth may be slowing down, but we're still talking about China growing at 6.5%, 7%. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning. It is 7 a.m. on Wall Street. It is 5 a.m. in Fort McMurray, Canada, where we wish the firefighters battling that huge blaze up there the best. Oil higher this morning, in part on concerns of interruptions to the supply from Canada. West Texas 45.62 is up 2.2 percent. Brent 46.09 up 1.6 percent this morning. But actually, pretty much everything is higher this morning. By the way, I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene on surveillance today, and we're watching a global rally overnight. Asia up and now Europe, the stock 600, four points higher, 1.2%. The DAX in Germany up 180 points, that's 1.8%. Uh, in London, a 30-point gain for the FTSE, half a percent of the day. Bonds, little changed to higher. The curve steepens. The two-year note yield is at 73 basis points, five-year 1.22, and the 10-year 1.77 on the day. The dollar stronger. Here's a real debate point. Uh, the dollar following comments and the, the jobs report following comments from the Fed moving higher today, 93.989 for the DXY index. The yen weakens to 108.04, the euro 113.88, and the pound 144.51. So that's uh, the question, wither interest rates in the United States and wither the dollar and bond market. We have seen Fed officials, the latest Bill Dudley this morning, Tom, in the New York Times yeah. saying we're still on track for June if the numbers continue the way they are. But that's not the way the bond market sees it. John Riding is the chief economist and founder of RDQ Economics. John, uh, there's an old saying, don't fight the Fed. And it seems that people on bond trading desks have decided they want to get into a scrap with the U.S. Central Bank. Well, the problem is the Fed has completely messed up its communications policy. And uh, it told us it had objectives for unemployment inflation. Uh, and then as we got close to those, it lowered the unemployment rate. So the, the market simply doesn't believe the Fed. And I think that to believe the Fed, Janet Yellen has to come out and deliver a similar message. And as I said to Tom on TV a few minutes you can ago. say it to me right now, too. Um, what we have here is uh, typically the, the uh, central, uh, the chairman of the Fed uh, goes in May and gives a testimony. So she can be right. perfectly teed up to say, not that we're going in June, but that we are still committed to renormalizing monetary policy and the data points are close. And if we continue in that direction, we will go. Because the mm. Fed in the past talked about cumulative improvement. And cumulative improvement has For given actual us one, progress. one quarter point. Exactly. Not just the latest data point. Cumulative improvement from a 10% unemployment rate to a 5% right. unemployment rate. John Riding with us, RDQ Economics. We say good morning to all of you worldwide. Bloomberg Radio Plus and, of course, across Bloomberg uh, dot com. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning brought to you by Invesco. Factor-based strategies can help investors focus on high quality, low volatility, and more. Learn more at Invesco.com slash high conviction. John Riding giving us great perspective this morning. John, as I mentioned earlier, your note had a certain heat 
on Friday. Let's frame the two avenues out of the jobs report. One is it was a moldy number. We all agree on this with a moldy uh, revision. And then there's the yeah, but the underlying data was actually pretty good. Explain to us why hours worked in wages can trump. That was a pun there. Thank you. Did you like that? I, that was a very. I, did you see how he did that? Can Trump get it? Can Trump the countables of non-farm payrolls? Well, well, can we start off with the non-farm payroll number? Because our number for private payrolls was 175,000. We got 171,000. Why? Because we had such a mild winter that the pickup in jobs that normally take place because people couldn't work because the weather's so bad in February and March. Yeah, so seasonal stuff. Able, they were already working. And so we had 160,000. Three-month average is around 200,000. I, I think that the, these Fed forecast revision calls by economists on Friday at some major banks were, were like looking for an excuse to come to the market, and I think it ridiculously overemphasizes the latest data point. But the Fed in the last statement talked about consumer fundamentals as well. So you got an increase in hours worked because we had a longer work week of four-tenths of a percent. We had a three-tenths of a percent increase in wages. That's a seven-tenths of a percent increase, which is running somewhere between eight or around, say, 8% at an annualized rate, if we were to continue that, mm. in wage income, which is the bulk of what people have to spend. So if you're a Keynesian and you're worried about demand and you're worried about the consumer, you have this big income increase. Right. John Reining with us, uh, with his work at the Bank of England, at the Federal Reserve System, of course, with Bear Stearns for years, and now at RDQ Economics. John, I'm going to massively rip up the script here. Greg Vallier has given us great perspective on our economic politics. Vallier has been writing stunning political notes about Secretary Clinton and particularly Mr. Trump. Here is Vallier this morning on debt restructuring and Donald Trump. Quote, He's playing with matches in a very arid forest. The U.S. and much of the world is crushed by individual and government debt. So here comes someone with catnip. Let's restructure the debt. Is it even feasible within the economics and the chapters in our economic textbook on debt restructuring that you can restructure, quote unquote, full faith and credit debt like you'd restructure a hotel in Atlantic City? No, you can't. But what you can do is lengthen the maturity of the debt at these very low interest rates. And that has been a policy that the Treasury Department has been doing and could, in my opinion, pursue far more aggressively. The Treasury debt's not callable. It's full faith and credit. You can't tear up someone's old note and replace it with a new low interest rate note. That, that's just simply not feasible. It doesn't matter what he thinks. It's not legally feasible. But you can lengthen the maturity of the debt. Now, one of the interesting things is if you look, talk to an, uh, an academic on the Fed, uh, a good friend uh, from uh, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Carnegie Mellon. And yeah, Charles Evans. And uh, he will say he'll put together, um, uh, my good friend said, put together the central bank and the treasury. Are you talking and, about Marvin Goodfriend correct. here? Yes. Yeah, and Marvin you, Goodfriend. And then you, can, then you can look at monetary policy and fiscal policy and combine it. And so what was the Fed doing? It was shortening the duration of the debt by Operation Twist as the Treasury was trying to lengthen the maturity of the right. debt. Uh, and those two policies cancel each other out. So, yes, I would m lengthen the maturity of the debt because I certainly, 
as an investor, would not want to invest for 10 years at 1.7%. Peter, Peter Fisher of Blackstone is, is, is really good at this. And, of course, I call him the tripod guy. He served government. He served Wall Street. And he's got terrific academic bearing as well. He's a bit cautious about European, if you will, the Europeanization of our debt structure. France has, I believe, a 50-year piece. We don't do that in America because we're better. What's the price of going from a blended debt to pick a number seven years out to a blended debt of 10 years or 15 years? Well, I think at these low interest rates for the government, there's, there's very little price except 10 years down the road when you, if you had a huge amount of debt to be refunded at that particular point in time and we're in a very different interest rate environment. And, and that's the problem. But the price will come at a future point where we won't know, yeah. where we won't know what it is. And the whole idea about issuing along the curve is not so much about mm-hmm. minimizing your interest rate costs, but is right. not having any great big refunding coming up. And then this, take this back to the full faith and credit 10 year yield. Do you perceive institutions that could give us a glide path to higher yields? Or by definition, do we have to have a jump condition when the shock and awe comes that we're actually going to have normal interest rates? Um, I think we could have a glide path, but markets never tend to work that way. But what would help is if the Fed began to unwind its portfolio, at least stop reinvesting and start allowing it to shift the assets back into the private sector uh, in a uh, gradual uh, manner. Uh, But the Fed seems intent to hold on to its portfolio until maturity, and uh, maybe that helps with the glide path, but it it keeps the market from adjusting. John writing with us with RDQ Economics, and we will continue this. There are headlines out of Lending Club. They have been in the news And it's been challenging news, to say the least. The Lending Club chairman and chief executive officer, Renaud LaPlanche, resigns. Hans Morris is named chairman. But very importantly, Scott Sanborn will serve as acting CEO. They will not provide guidance at this time. That's probably the key headline. Things are so messed up, they got to sort out what's going on in their lending club. The violation of practices and a lack of disclosure is unacceptable. Uh, lending club, a previous $7.10, is giving me an indication south. We'll try to firm up that bid and ask on lending club as well. Again, the present. Chairman and CEO of Lending Club uh, resigns. Futures up five, down futures up 41. The yield, 1.77%. Time now to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael? Mike, Tom, thank you very much. British Prime Minister David Cameron called on Britons not to vote to leave the European Union next month. Cameron, in a speech at the British Museum in central London today, says leaving the EU is genuinely a leap in the dark. Mexican government officials say the New Mexican prison holding convicted drug lord Joaquin El Chapo Guzman is rated as the worst in the country's federal penitentiary system for inmate conditions. However, the former head of the international operations for the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency questioned sending Guzman to a less secure prison. 
that is in the territory firmly controlled by his empire. Officials in Alberta, Canada say a forecast for cooler temperatures and light rain will help them corral an enormous wildfire. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? And, Michael, thanks so much. On a currency front, yen weaker and dramatically weaker over two, three days, 108.09. Point of note is the dollar shows modest strength, 94 on DXY. With John Riding, Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit sectorspdrs.com or call 1 866 Sector ETF. is Bloomberg Surveillance. We take the view that as the Fed raises rates, that removes U.S. dollar liquidity from the rest of the world. 60% of global GDP relies on U.S. dollar liquidity. The bottom 90% have basically seen their income stagnate over a third of a century. The Asian economies are are the fastest growing ones in the world. China's growth may be slowing down, but we're still talking about China growing at 6.5%, 7%. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning. It is 7 a.m. on Wall Street. It is 5 a.m. in Fort McMurray, Canada, where we wish the firefighters battling that huge blaze up there the best. Oil higher this morning, in part on concerns of interruptions to the supply from Canada. West Texas 45.62 is up 2.2 percent. Brent 46.09 up 1.6 percent this morning. But actually, pretty much everything is higher this morning. By the way, I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene on surveillance today, and we're watching a global rally overnight. Asia up and now Europe, the stock 600, four points higher, 1.2%. The DAX in Germany up 180 points, that's uh, 1.8%. In London, a 30-point gain for the FTSE, half a percent of the day. Bonds, little changed to higher. The curve steepens. The two-year note yield is at 73 basis points, five-year 1.22, and the 10-year 1.77 on the day. The dollar stronger. Here's the real debate point. Uh, the dollar following comments and the, the jobs report following comments from the Fed moving higher today, 93.989 for the DXY index. The yen weakens to 108.04, the euro 113.88, and the pound 144.51. So that's uh, the question, wither interest rates in the United States and wither the dollar and bond market. We have seen Fed officials, the latest Bill Dudley this morning, Tom, in the New York Times, saying we're still on track for June if the numbers continue the way they are. But that's not the way the bond market sees it. John Riding is the chief economist and founder of RDQ Economics. John, uh, there's an old saying, don't fight the Fed. And it seems that people on bond trading desks have decided they want to get into a scrap with the U.S. Central Bank. Well, the problem is the Fed has completely messed up its communications policy. And uh, it told us it had objectives for unemployment inflation. Uh, and then as we got close to those, it lowered the unemployment rate. So the, the market simply doesn't believe the Fed. And I think that to believe the Fed, Janet Yellen has to come out and deliver a similar message. And as I said to Tom on TV a few minutes you ago. You say it to me right now, too. Um, what we have here is uh, typically the, the uh, central, uh, the chairman of the Fed uh, goes in May and gives a testimony. So she can be right. perfectly teed up to say, not that we're going in June, but that 
we are still committed to renormalizing monetary policy, and the data points are close, and if we continue in that direction, we will go. Because the yeah. Fed in the past talked about cumulative improvement, and cumulative improvement has For given actual us one, progress. one quarter point. Exactly. Not just the latest data point, cumulative improvement from a 10% unemployment rate to a 5% right. unemployment rate. John Riding with us, RDQ Economics. We say good morning to all of you worldwide. Bloomberg Radio Plus, and of course, across Bloomberg. Uh, com. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning brought to you by Invesco. Factor-based strategies can help investors focus on high quality, low volatility, and more. Learn more at Invesco.com slash high conviction. John Riding giving us great perspective this morning. John, as I mentioned earlier, your note had a certain heat on Friday. Let's frame the two avenues out of the jobs report, one is it was a moldy number. We all agree on this with so a moldy uh, revision. And then there's the yeah, but the underlying data was actually pretty good. Explain to us why hours worked in wages can trump. That was a pun there. Thank you. Did you like that? I, that was a very – did you see how I did that? Can Trump – get it – can Trump the countables of non-farm payrolls? Well, well, can, can we start off with the non-farm payroll number? Because our number for private payrolls was 175,000. We got 171,000. Why? Because we had such a mild winter that the pickup in jobs that normally take place because people couldn't work because the weather's so bad in February and March. Yeah, so seasonal stuff. Able, they were already working. And so we had 160,000. Three-month average is around 200,000. I, I think that the this Fed forecast revision calls by economists on Friday at some major banks were, were like looking for an excuse to come to the market, and I think it ridiculously overemphasizes the latest data point. But the Fed in the last statement talked about consumer fundamentals as well. So you got an increase in hours worked because we had a longer work week of four-tenths of a percent. We had a three-tenths of a percent increase in wages. That's a seven-tenths of a percent increase. It's running somewhere between eight or around, say, 8% at an annualized rate if we were to continue that mm-hmm. in wage income, which is the bulk of what people have to spend. So if you're a Keynesian and you're worried about demand and you're worried about the consumer, you have this big income increase. Right. <clears throat> John Reining with us, uh, with his work at the Bank of England, at the Federal Reserve System, of course, with Bear Stearns for years. And now at RDQ Economics. John, I'm going to massively rip up the script here. Greg Vallier has given us great perspective on our economic politics. Vallier has been writing stunning political notes about Secretary Clinton and particularly Mr. Trump. Here's Vallier this morning on debt restructuring and Donald Trump. Quote, He's playing with matches in a very arid forest. The U.S. and much of the world is crushed by individual and government debt. So here comes someone with catnip. Let's restructure the debt. Is it even feasible within the economics and the chapters in our economic textbook on debt restructuring that you can restructure, quote unquote, full faith and credit debt like you'd restructure a hotel in Atlantic City? No, you can't. But what you can do is lengthen the maturity of the debt at these very low interest rates. And that has been a policy that the Treasury Department has been doing and could, in my opinion, pursue far more aggressively. The Treasury debt is not callable. It's full faith and credit. You can't tear up someone's old note and replace it with a new low interest rate note. That, that's just simply not feasible. It doesn't matter what he thinks. It's not legally feasible. But you can lengthen the maturity of the debt. 
Now, one of the interesting things is if you look, talk to an, uh, an academic on the Fed, uh, a good friend uh, from uh, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Carnegie Mellon. And yeah, Charles Evans. And uh, he will say he'll put together, um, uh, my good friend said, put together the central bank and the treasury. Are you talking and, about Marvin Goodfriend here? Right. Yes. Yeah, and Marvin you, Goodfriend. And then you, can, then you can look at monetary policy and fiscal policy and combine it. And so what was the Fed doing? It was shortening the duration of the debt by Operation Twist as the Treasury was trying to lengthen the maturity of right. the debt. Uh, and those two policies cancel each other out. So, yes, I would m- lengthen the maturity of the debt because I certainly, as an investor, would not want to invest for 10 years at 1.7%. Peter Fisher of Blackstone is, is, is really good at this. And, of course, I call him the tripod guy. He served government. He served Wall Street. And he's got terrific academic bearing as well. He's a bit cautious about European, if you will, the Europeanization of our debt structure. France has, I believe, a 50-year piece. We don't do that in America because we're better. What's the price of going from a blended debt to pick a number seven years out to a blended debt of 10 years or 15 years? Well, I think at these low interest rates for the government, there's, there's very little price except 10 years down the road when you, if you had a huge amount of debt to be refunded at that particular point in time and we're in a very different interest rate environment. And, and that's the problem. But the price will come at a future point where we won't know, yeah. where we won't know what it is. And the whole idea about issuing along the curve is not so much about mm-hmm. minimizing interest rate costs, but is right. not having any great big refunding coming up. And then this, take this back to the full faith and credit 10 year yield. Do you perceive institutions that could give us a glide path to higher yields? Or by definition, do we have to have a jump condition when the shock and awe comes that we're actually going to have normal interest rates? Um, I think we could have a glide path, but markets never tend to work that way. But what would help is if the Fed began to unwind its portfolio, at least stop reinvesting and start allowing it to shift the assets back into the private sector uh, in a uh, gradual uh, manner. Uh, But the Fed seems intent to hold on to its uh, uh, portfolio until maturity, and uh, maybe that helps with the glide path, but it it keeps the market from adjusting. John Riding with us with RDQ Economics, and we will continue this. There are headlines out of Lending Club. They have been in the news And it's been challenging news, to say the least. The Lending Club chairman and chief executive officer, Renaud LaPlanche, resigns. Hans Morris is named chairman. But very importantly, Scott Sanborn will serve as acting CEO. They will not provide guidance at this time. That's probably the key headline. Things are so messed up, they got to sort out what's going on in their lending club. The violation of practices and the lack of disclosure is unacceptable. Uh, lending club, a previous $7.10 is giving me an indication south. We'll try to firm up that bid and ask on lending club as well. Again, the present. Chairman and CEO of Lending Club uh, resigns. Futures up five, down futures up 41. The yield, 1.77%. Time now to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael? Mike, Tom, thank you very much. British Prime Minister David Cameron called on Britons not to vote to leave the European Union next month. 
Cameron, in a speech at the British Museum in central London today, says leaving the EU is genuinely a leap in the dark. Mexican government officials say the New Mexican prison holding convicted drug lord Joaquin El Chapo Guzman is rated as the worst in the country's federal penitentiary system for inmate conditions. However, the former head of the international operations for the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency questioned sending Guzman to a less secure prison that is in the territory firmly controlled by his empire. Officials in Alberta, Canada, say a forecast for cooler temperatures and light rain will help them corral an enormous wildfire. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Mike Labar. Mike, Tom? Hey, Michael, thanks so much. On a currency front, yen weaker and dramatically weaker over two, three days, 108.09. Point of note is a dollar shows modest strength, 94 on DXY. With John Riding, Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit sectorspdrs.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF.